This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody, it is Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying safe. As I always mention at the beginning of my show, just wanted to reach out and make sure everybody's doing okay. All my listeners, I know there's a lot of stuff going on out there all over the world, and hopefully, we can start moving forward and start putting a lot of this stuff behind us. I know, you know whether it's the pandemic, whether it's the social unrest, or whether whatever it is. We just need to get through it, and hopefully we can get back to some normalcy here um, as we've been waiting for a long time for normalcy. Normalcy means going to live shows and seeing concerts, and right now we just don't know when that's going to happen, but we're here for you. We're talking rock music. We're the escape that you guys want, that you guys need. Always a pleasure to talk about rock and roll topics and have the discussions and interviews. And my latest guest... Hails from Ireland, and I think it's the first guest that we've actually had from from Ireland, and his name is Simon McBride. How are you doing, Simon? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for, for doing this. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, it's no problem. No problem at all. I'd like to start the show like we always do every time we have a first-time guest, and that is the essence of the podcast. Just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a band, a performance, a song, or album, that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Uh, I think it was probably, uh, probably the first time I heard ACDC. A <laughs> um, long time ago when I was a kid. I think the track was a song called... Um, if you want blood, if I'm, if I'm correct, I was nine at the time. So, yeah, excuse me if I got the name wrong, but it was, I remember it was the first thing I heard, and I was like blown away, going, "Well, what, what, what is this?" <laughs> you know, because I'd never really uh, listened to music or anything, you know, before that. You know, well, not much before. You know, my dad was always playing music in the house, but that was kind of like, right. I want to do this rock and roll business. I want to do this. And I was, and I was basically down to, as I said, ACDC. And I'm sure they have done the same for, I'd say, thousands of other guitarists and musicians out there as well. 
growing up in Northern Ireland, how accessible was, you know, the music? I mean, obviously we know of the Gary Moores and the Rory Gallagher's and Thin Lizzy, but you know, it sounds like from what I've read that your journey into rock and roll began at a very young age. And you mentioned ACDC. Where did it go from there after ACDC? Um, well, basically, after then, I really started because I, well, I grew up in the '80s, so I'm an '80s kid, and uh, I'm not ashamed of that. Some people are. I'm not. I love the '80s, and uh, so I grew up in the '80s, and I so I was around that period of time where, you know, you had Satriani and Steve Vai and all those guys, um, you know, Paul Gilbert and stuff were all pretty, you know. Uh, at the forefront of, of, of rock and roll at that point in time. And then you had all like the hair metal stuff. And for me, I, you know, I, I, that's, so for me as a learner, learning guitar, you know, learning how to play, you know, from those guys was a big asset to me because, you know, they were incredible players, uh, not only technically, but, you know, creative as well. And, um, so it was good for me to learn from those guys. And it, you know, I wouldn't be able to do what I do today if I didn't uh, learn from, you know, say a lot of the '80s guys, or even a lot of that, you know, hair metal as they call, um, you know, because musically it was all great, technically it was all great, um, and it led me down to do, you know, what did I do after that? I was well, I, well, for me personally, I was kind of a, a very young. Um, kid, I was 9 or 10, but I was a very fast learner, to be honest. Um, like, I think for the age of 11, I was on a television show playing like Van Halen's Eruption, and uh, and I did various other television shows after that. Um, you know, I was kind of like this, uh, It was kinda, I was kind of like a novelty in a way, but whatever. You know, I was a kid, and I was, you know, all I wanted to do was play guitar. And um, then I think when I was about 15, I won, I won the... Um, it was like the UK guitarist of the year, uh, which was great for a 15 year old kid. Um, so I was pretty uh, fortunate to be very quick at picking up, picking up, you know, uh, the, the guitar. So, and then I went on to do stuff like, uh, what my, well, my first band that I played with was a band called Sweet Savage, which were, uh, kind of a, a British kind of heavy metal band from, uh, Ireland. Um, so, and I was 16 at the time, I think, and I did a couple of albums with them and started touring and, and you know, things. Um, then I, you know, I, I did that for a few years and then I went completely left field and I did, I joined a guy, uh, a guy called Andrew Strong. And I, I don't know whether you remember, there was a movie out a long time ago called The Commitments. It was a big movie about soul music and, and stuff, but, you know, Andrew was the, uh, he was the lead singer in the movie and, uh, you know, it was him singing all the parts on, on, on the actual soundtrack anyway. And he was only 16 at the time. So, uh, I, I played with him for a long, long time. Uh, I think it was about six, seven years. And then I, I I'd had enough of doing that. And, uh, I, I just started to do my own thing when I come back. Uh, I just, decided I wanted to see what comes out, try a few different things. And that's what happened. I, I started doing the, my own stuff and, uh, it's just all kind of spirals from there, you know, I did, you know, from doing, you know, clinics with PRS guitars and that's kind of how I met Don Airy and, you know, then went on to play with Ian Gillen and stuff and, but still doing my own, my own thing a lot of the time. So, and, you know, in between all of that, I've done lots of different, you know, session stuff for different people than that. So, um, which is, you know, it's hard to you know, name a lot of those people, but, uh, but yeah, so it's brought me right up to where I am now doing my own thing still. Um, I'm, I'm not touring right now, which is not, not, not ideal, but sure. It's, it's 2020. It's the year we hope to forget. <laughs> yes. Yes. We don't want to, there's not going to be any great moments in 2020 when, uh, when we look that, back. I'm not, I think there will be. I think it'll be the end of 2020. That'll be a great moment. <laughs> yeah, right? Absolutely. <laughs> now, was it the moment when you picked up a guitar? Was was that also the moment that you wanted to be on stage? I mean, where was that evolution for you from, you know, hearing ACDC to picking up the guitar to wanting to be on stage and wanting to wanting to play for people? 
Um, to be honest, at that young age, I never really thought about it being on stage. Uh, I just wanted, I, I, I just kind of fell in love with the instrument, and that was it. And I, I didn't really care about playing on stage. Obviously, you know, from watching ACDC, it was all, you know, well, you know what ACDC is like. It's a big live act, and, you know, there's, it's a big show and stuff. And I thought this was amazing. And I wanted to do that someday, but I never really thought about it at that young age. Uh, it was only really till I started, you know, it was my dad, I think, started bringing me out to, uh, you know, local pubs and stuff where there was rock bands playing. And I used to get up and guest. Um, and I think it's since I got that and then, you know, having having the response from people, you know, applauding. And, you know, when you're a young kid, it's all, all very overwhelming. But... I always say it's like a drug, but <laughs> you can't once you start. It's very hard to stop, and that was that was me started basically. Once I got, uh, you know, on stage, it was like it's very hard to get me off. And now, you know, it's, it's where I love to be is playing on stage. If I'm not, if I'm not in the studio, I, 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 I you'll find me on stage. That's that's generally what I do. So yeah, it's a yeah, it's being uh, that that at that time when I was a kid, as I said getting on with just random rock bands from, from here and uh, getting on that stage. And that was me. I was addicted. You know? And as far as writing music, you know, from going to, you know, playing the guitar to actually writing music, how did that process happen? Um, well, writing music is, uh, do you mean like when I first started writing music or how I write music now? Well, when you first started. Well, when I first started, well, the thing is, I always had like a little, um, I think it was a Yamaha, a little four-track tape recorder from uh, back then. Um, and I think from about the age of 11 or 12, I, 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 I had it. And I used to record all the time, you know, everything. I had that, and I remember I had a little, uh, I think it was an Alesis drum machine, an SR-16 or something like that. I'm not sure, but um, I had a little drum machine. And uh, and I used to record lots of things, you know, into this little four track. I don't know what they were like. I can't remember what I did. You know, it was a long time ago now. But uh, but it, it just I was so I was always cr- trying to create my own ideas and, and and be creative. And I think that's a good thing for anybody that's learning how to play guitar. Is one always record yourself, and two always try to be creative and and and, and write stuff because. Believe it or not, learning how to write a song or write write music is just as hard as learning how to play an instrument. You know, whether you're you're learning how to sing or you're learning how to play guitar or learn how to play piano, songwriting is just this exactly the same. You know, you have to learn how to do it, and the only way you learn how to do it is by just keep doing it and trying new different ideas. And because you start to find out, oh, this works for that, and this sort of thing works for that, and you know, like. I'm still learning today, you know, and I'm, I've been doing this whatever twenty five years. And I'm still learning today uh, in regards to what works with certain songs or certain styles, you know. And so, yeah, it's that's that's how I got started. Was just a little Yamaha four track. I wish I had one now, but you know, everything's all digital. Sure. Here we are, present day. The new EP is Trouble, and it's going to be released on October twenty third. What was the process for this EP? How was the writing and recording for this album, or for this EP, rather? It was called 100 Days. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So uh, the EP, this this is the third EP. So uh, there was an EP before this, which was uh, it was called 100 Days. Then there was an EP before, this, before that called Show Me How to Love. Now, the EPs, to be honest, were never actually really to be released. They were kind of more of just a a background promotional thing. Um, but myself and the record company agreed to just release them anyway. So uh, they are all part of an album, which is going to be out next year. Um, so like, the, the, you know, Trouble, uh, Hundred Days and Show Me How to Love, they're all my own songs. So they will be on the album, which will be out next year sometime. So, but the process for, you know, all the EPs was, um, well, each EP has a, an original song, two covers, and a live song. So I'll start with the live songs. I'll go backwards. The live songs all start that. We did them in one session in 
I say live. It was live in, in, in Chameleon Studios in Hamburg. Um, it's a big, famous, iconic studio in, in Hamburg. You know, yeah, I think, like, I think the Beatles recorded there and Tina Turner and, you know, all lots of big, you know, big, big names. So um, it's a huge uh, studio. So we just went in, plugged in, and we recorded uh, basically my whole, my, my whole set. I was in the middle of a tour, I think, at the time, and then we just recorded that. We went in and just nailed them down, done. Um, so that was the live thing. There was no overdubs, nothing on that on, on the live stuff. So uh, the two covers really were uh, on ETP. We did a selection of eight covers, which we, so we sat for about, well, I sat for about two months before that trying to find covers which I could do justice because I don't normally do covers, but as I said, it was more of a promotional thing. So um, we decided to do covers uh, and it's very hard to pick choose covers because I, I don't really believe in doing covers unless you're going to do a really, really good job. Because if you think about the original artist who's recorded that song has put their heart and soul into that. And I don't want to do it. Uh, I, I don't want to do bad by it. You know, I want to do it if not as good as the original or, or better, you know, I, I don't know. It's uh, so, but anyway, we chose all the eight, eight songs and then, so we, the eight covers, which weren't recorded, we went into comedian studios to one of the, the smaller studios in it. And we spent a week and we recorded those. Uh, everything was all done. It was just me, a bass player and a drummer. Uh, not, and that was it really. We had a few uh, outside uh, sessions you know, sent in by Dropbox um, from like keyboard players and, and 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 things like that. But in regards to the actual song Trouble and 100 Days and Show Me How to Love, they were all kind of recorded between my own home studio and uh, in, in London. So it's kind of a mix match really, you know, as they said, the whole album when it comes out next year, it'll be like, it, it's all been done in the one kind of place, if you know what I mean. So, um, so yeah, that's you know that's kind of how the EPs came around. As I said, we, you know, I just we decided to just put them out because I thought, well, why not? You know, and, I, and to be honest, I'm kind of glad we put them out because obviously with 2020 being uh, not very good, uh, you know, my album was supposed to come out this year, so but we decided to postpone it till next year because you know we thought it would be like you know suicide putting out an album this year unless you're a, a big artist if you know what I mean so I've talked to a lot of musicians who have dealt with the same dilemma that you have you know do I release an album or how do I keep myself in front of people when nothing's really going on and people are sitting at home um you know a lot of people have done the same thing that you have a lot of bands and artists have released EPs kind of like a teaser of what's to come on the album that they're going to release now and 2021 was yeah. when when you decided to do that what was that thought process of releasing that ep is it kind of similar to what everybody else was seeing hey hey i want to stay in front of people but i don't want to release all of it because i can't really tour on it what was your thoughts on well, that yeah well that, that pretty much exactly the same you know we i just wanted to keep you know with, with today's industry the way it is, it's um, there's so many artists out there, and you know if you're not keeping your name in the frame the whole time, you can quite easily get forgot about. So that was basically what I wanted to do with the EPs. I wanted to just keep my name out there, you know, and just putting some songs out here and there, and and that was the idea, uh, you know. And plus, it's also good for me just to gauge, you know, how. Well, I think the album will go, you know, uh, in regards to how, what people's response are to the EPs, because essentially, you know, one track of the, each of the EPs is, is from the album. So, but yeah, it's, uh, you, know, the, 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 I, you know, a lot of bands, as you say, yes, are doing the same thing. They're all postponing it until next year. Because, you know, the only way, you know, you, you, well, it's, just, it's, just, it's the standard rule. You release an album. You tour it. That's that's it. No. So if you release an album, you don't tour it. It's like, well, you kind of say to yourself, what's the point? Because, and you know, how do you, you know, and, and, and unfortunately, a lot of it all comes down to the finance of everything as well. Because you know, as musicians, we can't just keep creating music and not receive any sort of, uh, you know, 
return from it because it's like, you know, we can't afford to keep doing it. Uh, you know, and that's unfortunately, unfortunately, that's the way it is these days. You know, it's great that we have Spotify and Apple Music and all that stuff, and it's a really, really cool way to get music instantly. And but you know, for musicians, it's all about the touring because that's, as I said, it really does boil down to finance, and that's that's where musicians can stay alive and still keep creating music is by touring because there's no other income anymore. You know, in the 70s and, and, and 80s, you know, you could you could take a year off touring, no problem, and just live off your royalties from your album sales or whatever. But, yeah, it's, it's not like that anymore. <laughs> but sure, whatever, you know, it's, it's, it, it's, but the important thing is, it's not to get, you know, caught up in it. It's just go, okay, well, let's just, just roll with it and, you know, work with it and, and you know, it, it is the way of the modern world and we just have to deal with it. So, but yeah, it's frustrating because I wanted to release it this year, but I'm, I'm glad it didn't because nothing's happened at all this year. So it's, it, it's kind of, it would have been pointless. You mentioned about having to put out music to stay in front of people. And we, you know, you just talked about how back in the seventies and eighties, you know, you could take your time and you could, you know, write an album. How do you feel about that change? You know, now you've got to almost force out music to stay in front of people. Does it cause you to, you know, kind of try to force that creativity? And what's that process for you of, of, you know, getting in that cycle? Because it's almost, it almost has to be done by everybody, you know, release an album, tour, release a single, keep touring, release another single, keep touring, release an album, tour, and so on. What? How do you feel? Do you feel that, that it, it, it maybe waters down the music or what, because people can't really develop maybe something that they really want to do? Or does it matter? Is it just the way it is right now, so you just have to adapt? I think we just have to adapt. I don't think it really matters. I think, you know, if you ask me personally, I, I believe that, you know, if you said to me, okay, you're going to tour, write, record an album, tour, write, record an album, tour, write, record an album, you know, four or five times in one year, I'd be going, great, I'm completely happy with that, you know, because, you know, if you're a musician, you know, you, you know, it's just like, we are only, our happy places are recording, writing music, or touring places, you know, touring uh, uh, around the world and stuff. So for me, I, I, I try to write something every day, you know, so I don't think music will be forced or it's not as if you will release anything that's not great. You know, if you're writing music all the time, yeah, you will have a certain amount of songs which will, you know, will not make the cut or whatever. But, you know, I think years ago when they used to go and record, I don't know, maybe like 30 songs and then pick from the best. I think you just have to do all that pre-production work. Now you kind of, I, you know, you go, you say to yourself, okay, I can't go in and record thirty songs because I got, you know, I'd have to, you know, get a massive loan <laughs> to pay that. So you have to just streamline it now and go before you even think about going to the studio. Okay, what are my ten or twelve songs that I want to put on an album? That's it, done. And you have to kind of go in and try and do it quickly as possible, or you can do what a lot of people do these days is you record it at home, you know, cause you know, with, with modern technology, it's very easy now to, you know, every, anybody has a computer and an interface, you can record stuff, you know, and it's, which is great. Uh, it's not so good for the big studios, but it's, it's great for, um, you know, uh, the, the normal musician. So, but I don't think it really makes any difference to the song process. I think to be honest, a lot of bands in the seventies probably just, you know, milked it you know they just they were just too busy partying i think and you know going into writing another album was like i will do that next year you know so uh but and that's, that's what i said you could take time off but sometimes i think when you're on a roll with writing music and you take six six months six months off sorry uh you you kind of lose it a little bit. It's like playing playing a guitar or playing an instrument for six months or all your life. You take it, take six months off. You pick it up again. It's like, oh, this feels a bit strange. So it's the same with writing music. As I said before, it's like it's 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 an instrument writing music. So I think the more you write, the better and better you get. 
you know. So as you can hear, there's lots of great music out there that's being released all the time. Um, and I think with the likes of Apple Music and Spotify, people people can hear it. You know, it's it's not necessarily put in your face the way it was years ago by the big radio stations and stuff. But nowadays, it's uh, it's very easy for people to get their music out there. You know, you mentioned <laughs> kind of being on a roll and, and kind of finding your groove when you're writing music and touring because that's what the standard is now. Did the effects of COVID and being locked up and kind of not locked up, but on lockdown affect your creativity, yeah. affect that role that you were on? I mean, you know, a lot of people have said that, you know, when they're doing the same thing every day and they're not really experiencing life, that it affects their creativity. There's others that say it didn't. Where do you fall under that? To be honest, I, I can honestly say my creativity has probably got a hell of a lot better because I'm doing it all the time. No, I'm doing it doing it every day of the week, pretty much. Um, so as I said, if you keep doing something, you get better at it. You know, I, yeah, it, it, a lot of it is done. A lot of creativity for certain people comes down to life experience and how they feel and how they write a song. But you know, you got to think about it this way too. A lot of songs that are written in the past, a lot of great songs, were never about, uh, they were never true stories, if you know what I mean. It wasn't written about a certain thing. It was just, you know, people make stuff up in their heads, you know, make up little stories or whatever, and they write about it. Or, they're, you know, you can gain, gain inspiration from, like, I don't know, read, reading the newspaper, or, you know. You know, you could write a song about how crap the world is right now if you wanted, you know. Uh, so, it, for me, uh, I've actually took use of the, the, the time being here and um, just been writing a lot of stuff. Like I wrote a whole instrumental album myself and uh, I'm starting, I'm doing, I'm working on a little acoustic album just because I have the time. Um, and also writing new new material for a second album, which will be out whenever, whenever I get the first one out after that, obviously. But so, yeah, I'm just taking use of this time to make it uh, very productive and creative. So, I, you know, it hasn't really affected me. It's, it's been uh, actually a good thing for me. Because <laughs> most of the time I would have been touring. And when you're on the road, trying to write songs while you're on the road, it's, it's quite difficult. I imagine, too, you know, you can use music as an escape. You know, a lot of people do, like myself. You know, I, I love listening to music when, you know, the day is stressful or, you know, things aren't going the way I wanted to. So I, I choose music as my escape. And I imagine being a musician like yourself and, you know, you're, you're not doing much, that that really is the release that you need, that it really is the, the escape that you need to have in these moments. Yeah, well, of course, you know, I, I remember uh, during lockdown, there was a few weeks where I didn't really play music and I was miserable. And then I started playing music again, and was and I was happy. So uh, you know, I was just like, okay, this is my escape. This is what I do. You know, when you take something away from someone, uh, and it's the thing that they love the most to do, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, they're going to be miserable, and it's it's it's, it's going to be not nice. Um, <clears throat> so, but music for 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 musicians, or you know, or even non musicians, is just generally an escape. You know, you can. You can uh, just put on a record and just drift into the music, and that'll just take your thoughts away. And you know, you, you're not you're not thinking about your what happened what happened earlier that day. You know, if you had a bad day or whatever. So yeah, it's it, you know, music is an escape. It's it's that's why people love it so much. Yeah, it gives you the ability to go somewhere else. You know, kind of you know, kind of pick up and leave in your mind, and just enjoy the moment when you're listening to the music. And especially, yeah. you know, if, if, if times are tough or like we've been all been dealing with this moment, you know, this COVID-19 and, and the moments that we've had during this, it's it's been tough for a lot of people. And, you know, whether you turn to reading a book or listening to music, people need that outlet for them to survive. You know, I, you know, there's you know, when you're doing the same thing all the time and you're locked up in your house and you're not doing much and you're, you know, looking at the same looking out the same window and it's just, ugh, you know, like, what do I need? And, and a lot of people turn to music and that's what the beauty is of it. Yeah. Well, the thing is, you know, for me, with the whole, the whole lockdown thing, 
there was two ways I could have looked at it. There was the one way I could have went, okay, I'm locked down. I'm going to sit here and do nothing. Or the other way was, okay, I'm going to be productive. I'm going to make, make my days, you know, uh, be quite short because, uh, but, but by just having simple routine, like I remember at the start of this, uh, I was like, okay, I said to my wife and I said, okay, I'm my two kids. I said, we're not sitting around just, you know, vegetating or whatever. I, I, I just, I'm, I can't do that. I says, because we, we will all go and see him, you know, because it's like, you know, that's what they do to prisoners and, 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 you know, and put them in solitary confinement, you know, for, you know, weeks and months and it drives them insane. I was like, I am not doing that. I am going to, whatever, I get up every morning, I went for a run. I, I you know, there's the, there's a guy over here called Joe Wicks. He's a big, you know, uh, you know, uh, fitness guy. And he did a whole thing on YouTube for kids all over the world, basically. You know, so it was half an hour. The kids did that every morning. And then, okay, so then they started, we did a little bit of work with the kids and that, and then had some playtime or whatever, and I did some music then, you know. So it, it was just about having a routine. And I think if you can do that, you know, like to be honest, I, I, I'm looking at the diary going, it's, a, it's September. Where did that year go, you know? Where some people look at the diary and go, Oh, it's still, it's only September, which is hurry up. You know, where I'm, I'm kind of like, well, I just, but that's just me personally. I've always been that type of person. I've always been the sort of person just to get up and do stuff. I can't sit around and do nothing. That's just not in my uh, mentality. So, but, you know, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's 2020. <laughs> that's the answer for everything this year. Yeah. 2020. When you, you mentioned that you, Created a lot of music during this, you know, the acoustic album, the instrumental album, another, you know, working on another new album. I have a feeling a lot of artists and bands have done so too, writing music and, and putting things down on paper. Where I feel that once this pandemic is over, I think there's going to be an explosion in music where there's going to be a lot of material coming out because, like you said, you know, what do you, what else are people doing right now? And, and people who are creating, who always create music, still want to create music. So now it's given them the time to, to record, albeit they've had to record differently. You know, some people have had to do it remotely. Um, and that's, you know, fine too. I mean, I talked to Michael Sweet from Striper a couple of weeks ago, and he mentioned that this was the first time they ever recorded, you know, where they would play the, you know, their part in the song and they would all, you know, m- you know, bring it together remotely and then they would all put it together and it would sound great, you know? So I think a lot of people have, especially with technology, have the ability to do that. How do you feel about what's next when the pandemic is over and, and music and musicians and artists start to come out and start to show what they've been working on? Well, I think I think I'll go one of two ways. If, you know, if you're a small enough artist and you don't have like a record label or something behind you, you know, a lot of those artists will just, you know, as soon as, you know, they can start touring again, they'll just release music and there will be this massive injection of music on the market. And the problem is with that, a lot of it, because there's too much choice, a lot of that music will just get buried and never, you know, never really see the, the forefront. Uh, but if you have like a, a record label or somebody, in, or, or if you're smart about it, is you kind of you kind of plan when you want to release stuff. So, um, you know, I, I think there will be, you know, a gradual a, a release of music over, you know, uh, so it'd be like a constant flow of music coming out from 2021. Um, but I don't know. I, I, this is me just guessing. I'm guessing I, that that's what I think will be the smart thing to do. But you know, who knows in this world. So I think, I think there will be a, a bit of a backlog in when it comes to touring. Cause I know already, even with, you know, gigs and festivals, anybody who had booked for 2020 gets, have all them just pushed to 2021. So the realist, the, realistically people getting festivals and gigs and stuff, 2021 is going to be quite hard. And it's really more about looking for 2022. Um, well, fingers crossed we don't go into, you know, another lockdown in 2021 again, which would be an absolute nightmare. But, um, yeah, 
I think there will be some great music coming out. I'm looking forward to hearing it all. Uh, so, but I just hope it's done in the right way that, you know, some, that, you know, great music comes out and it doesn't just get buried, you know, which people should be able to hear it, you know, because as I said, that's the problem these days. There's so much music out there and there's not really anybody like radio stations, you know, pushing it out, going, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this, you know, these days. So, um, well, I should be on say or something. I don't even know. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting, you know, topic that we always bring up here and we discuss a lot on this show is the current state of rock music. You know, rock music will never die. It will always be there. People will always be playing it. But in terms of relevancy, it has been struggling over the past decade or so. And it seems to get worse and worse every year, whether it's you know, the Grammy Awards not even televising the rock, you know, awards, the rock category or the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, having different genres be part of that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and then them telling us why they they should be considered rock and roll. So, okay. you know, basically what, you know, we've, we've talked about a lot is the state of rock and roll. And when you look at how it's connecting with the younger generation, rock and roll really hasn't adapted like pop music or hip-hop. What are your thoughts on what needs to happen to bring rock music back to the forefront? Uh, should buy an X-Factor? <laughs> uh, should buy, buy an American Idol? <laughs> All that stuff. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think I think it will come around again. I think, you know, music comes around in cycles, I, I believe. You know, so, um like there, you know, in the in the guitar world, there's a big, you know, uh, it came back to that cycle of, you know, a lot of shred guitarists are, are out there now. So and um, so, I, I do believe that music comes around in cycles, and I just just think that we need to just, you know, just be patient. You know, if it's a, uh, you know, the thing is, right? I mean, look at, uh, you know, you go back to the seventies and stuff. You know, it's you had rock music, yeah, and when it was big. But pop music was always still bigger, you know, so it's nothing has really changed that much. It's just, you know, obviously you had big iconic bands like Led Zeppelin and Rolling Stones and, you know, you know, all those type of bands. But the problem is there's no big bands anymore. You know, big rock bands. And I don't think there ever will be. I think there will all be, you know, uh, arena bands, or if you want to call it, you know, there'll be no stadium bands, I think, anymore because, you know, the people who are still playing stadiums and rock world are just are still the ones that did it years ago, you know, like 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 Will Zeppelin obviously aren't gone, but still got Rolling Stones and stuff like that, and U two and various people. But yeah, I I don't know how to change it. If I knew how to change it, I would. Uh, I've done it by now, <laughs> so I don't know. It, uh, but uh, yeah, it'll come around again, I believe. What is the the rock scene in Northern Ireland? In Northern Ireland, it's not. A lot of the stuff I do is outside Ireland um, because Ireland is, is pretty much it's an indie scene. The music scene is quite big in here, but it's not, not for me. Uh, for me, the, the music scene is, is it, it doesn't really support what I do. Um, it's more singer songwriter or that indie vibe, you know. Uh, so that's pretty much it, and that's why you know I. I could probably count in one hand the amount of gigs I've done in Ireland in the last 20 years, you know, so everything, I live here, you know, but if I want to go, if I'm doing something, I, I usually have to get on a plane, you know, uh, to do it. So, but yeah, it's, uh, Ireland is a, you know, but it's always been the same that way. You know, you look at other acts like, you know, Gary Murr, he made it quite big. He, he left because, you, you know, uh, at that, at, you know, it's, different period of time you know then we didn't have all the flights and we didn't have internet and all that stuff um so you know if you wanted to do something you had to move to a big city like london or something so gary murr left rory gallagher he left too uh you too you know they left as well you know and uh you know but times are different these days you know, as, you know, as, you know, I'm talking to you, and you're you're the other side of the, you're in the U.S. right now, and I'm 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 over here, and we're, we're having the chat. You know, that wasn't possible back then. So, um, but yeah, it almost seems like the rock scene itself has become global, whereas it was very, it was very 
local back then. You know, but you, know, you had the L.A. scene. You had, you know, Chicago had its scene. New York, different countries all over had their own scene. Where now you can connect. I can connect with someone like Simon McBride, you, you know, in, in your music. Whereas maybe years ago and decades before us, it would have been more difficult for me to access your music. Yeah. Well, that's that's basically all down to the internet. You know, we have internet, which is, you know, the world used to be a huge place. It's not, now it's a very small place. You know, we everything's connected. We can, you know, we can do whatever we can think of, really. You know, and that's just the the advancement of technology, really, so. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's always some good and there's always some bad and whatever comes about with technology, but that's fascinating for me that, you know, years ago, like, there's some bands that I would never have heard of because just the way things were and you you, know, you didn't have the access to them, you know, whereas now you can hop on the internet and you can, in the matter of 10 minutes, discover 20 new bands, and 20 new artists. Yeah, I remember my dad telling me that he had to go into uh, the local record store, you know, years ago when I was, I think it was nine or ten or whatever, and um, and he had to order, like, the new Led Zeppelin album or something, or, you know, and, and he had to wait for several weeks to for it to be imported in from, you know, maybe the U.S. or, or, or wherever, you know. So, whereas now it's like you just hit one button on your computer and you've got it. You know, so it's, yeah, but, you know, as you said, it's the old yin and yang thing. It's good and it's bad and everything. Right, right. You know, that that's that's so true, you know. You know, I mean, you talk about social media. It gives you the great, it gives you, it's great that you can connect with anybody, but you also kind of also isolate yourself. But that's, a you know, a different topic for, you know, a different time. You know, the other thing yeah. about music is how it's become so digital that, people, artists, bands are not releasing the physical copy anymore. They're completely foregoing that. What are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, digital thing is, um, it's convenient. That's basically what I think about it. It's convenient. I, I would still prefer to listen to CDs, you know, if they were available. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Because, you know, you know, sound quality is better. You know, you know, it's good quality. Uh, you know, when you listen to a CD, and you, you know, it's it's. Whereas digital stuff, a lot of people are listening to it on their iPhone or what you know, whatever phone or their tablet. You know, they're they're listening to it on, and and it's, you know, it's it's a tiny little speaker, so you know, you 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 don't really capture the full thing of what whatever that band was trying to create at the time. You know, and. Uh, I, you know, it's, I, I know this, you know, I sit in the studio every day. When I hear stuff, and I hear it full quality, and I, I can hear what's going on. I can hear the vibe, I can hear the bass, I can hear everything, and then you play it on a little, I don't know, Bose speaker, and it's like, oh, okay, doesn't sound that good. So it's a different way of thinking, you know, music is, is engineered differently these days for, you know, digital, uh, everything's compressed to the max. You know, because, you know, for playing stuff on little small speakers, it's like you need to compress the life out of it to get, you know, anybody to hear bass or stuff on it. So, um, and again, it is, it boils down to the old, uh, you know, as I said before, the finance thing. You know, if we still had CDs, you know, musicians would still be making money from their albums and stuff, whereas digital is kind of get rid of that, you know. Um, so it's good that we have it, but it's bad that we have it as well, so. It also affects the way you connect with music. Back in the 70s and the 80s, you know, you had the physical copy. You sat with the album for a longer time than you do now. And you had it. You could touch it. You could feel it. You could see the cover art. You could read the liner notes. You had, that, you had an experience. And obviously, technology has more or less taken that away with now it being digital. Now it's point-click download and... You have the song on your computer or your phone, and then you can you know listen to a minute and a half of it, and then you can skip to the next song, and that's affected how music is is been absorbed, and I think that's really affected how the younger generation connects with rock music because rock music was so reliant on that physical connection. Yeah, it's true. You know, I, I, when I uh, 
Well, maybe that's why you know vinyl has kind of make a made a little bit of a comeback because it's that whole thing. You get it. It's you know you're buying it. You feel like you're getting something for your money, and uh, <clears throat> so I can kind of understand why people don't want to buy music, you know, digitally because it's like you know you know it, you, you see a tiny little picture on a screen and you go, is that what I just bought? You know, so that's you know, because people, a lot of people these days see with their, or you know, see with their eyes and listen. Sorry, listen with their eyes. You know, it's like a, they want to feel like they have something. You know, but if you if you buy a vinyl and there's pictures and there's notes and you want to find out who played on it and stuff, it's all there. And you go, I have got something for this. You know, but yeah, it's a uh, yeah, it's a strange one. Um, yeah, digital digital is. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's convenient, you know. So it, it it I guess that's where I lie with that. Yeah, it's convenient and it's it's easy, you know. Like it, it's easy just to have four thousand songs on your computer, and you can have everything that you want. And it's you know, and and but it, again, you know, like I I always say, I, I miss that physical connection. I miss going to that record store, seeing the album cover. Going, wow, this looks really cool. I can't wait to get home and listen to it. And then, you know, you'd sit with an album for a few weeks. You know, it wouldn't be you buy the album on Friday and by Monday you were on to something else, which is the way society is right now. I mean, you release a single on a Friday and by Monday next week, you know, the, you know, the listener wants something different. That's just the way we've been programmed now. Yeah, well, it's, it's, you know, it's, well, the thing is, you know, years ago, music was the forefront for most people's lives we didn't have lots of video games and internet and all that stuff so <clears throat> nowadays there's just too much options you know we have lots of things we could be doing apart from listening to music so uh, I think there is a lot there's that certain element of it and you know again you can't really fault that because that's just you know evolution really in regards to technology um, the, the, the thing is with listening to digital stuff it's like with people you nearly have to impress people within the first 30 seconds or they'll skip which is you know there's some, some songs you can't you know if it's any any longer than three minutes people are like you know skip or you know I, I you know it's like I follow the Instagram thing right you know 60 seconds the reason it's 60 seconds because people's attention span these days is 60 seconds done yeah. you know and then that, they have to move on to something else you know a lot, a lot of people don't even get to the full 60 seconds on a, a video thing on Instagram you know it's just literally you know, first 10 seconds and then move on, move on, you know. So, and I think that, that's the way the music's gone, unfortunately. Um, you know, you know, there's still a lot, there's still a lot of people who like to listen to music and, uh, you know, enjoy it, but it's, it's not the same as it was a long time ago. Certainly not. Well, Simon, it has been nope. a pleasure speaking with you. The new EP is out October 23rd. It's called Trouble. Go ahead and plug your stuff and tell us where we can find it. Yeah, well, basically, you can find me. Uh, uh, my website is simonmcbride.net. You will get all my links to my social media sites on that because don't ask me to tell you what they are. I don't know. There's Simon McBride Guitar, Simon McBride Guitarist or something. I don't know. But they're all, all on my website, which is this simonmcbride.net. Uh, everything is available through there. and um, Or just Google me. Simon McBride, I like a bad smell. I'm everywhere, so yeah. <laughs> that's that's great. Um, again, thank you for doing this. I appreciate the conversation. Love the new EP. Had a chance to listen to it. Sounds great. The songs are awesome. I know there's a, a great cover of the Brian Adams song "Kids Want to Rock," which was one yep. of my favorite songs growing up. So, um, looking forward to more music from you. Good. You're welcome. Thank you very much, man. Once again, that's Simon McBride. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we will talk again soon. Thank you.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.